Welcome to the Emerging Temple broadcast for October 23rd, 2019. I am Michael Obeyer. I will be your guide for the rest of this broadcast. At Emerging Temple, we seek to analyze current events within the context of God's plan for mankind, a plan in which he intends at a point in time to rule on earth in a government that he shall establish with men and women chosen by him. Before I go any further, I want to encourage you to like our video and to share them with your family and friends. Also, if there's an icon at the bottom of your screen that says subscribe or with a bell icon, I'd like you to hit on that, I'd like you to hit on that bell so that you can get notifications anytime we upload new videos. If you would like to support us, please go to patreon.com and look for our handle, Emerging Temple, in which you'll be able to support us. But you could also go to straight to our website, uh, www.templeoftruth.us. That's templeoftruth.us. Um, today, we want to look into the distinction between the Christian religion and the Christian faith. This is a topic that matters so much now, especially with all that has been going on with the scandals of pedophilia in some churches, um, embezzlement of um, church funds in others, and so many other things that uh, are, would I say, um, structurally deficient and do not reflect the essence of what you would call, we would call the church of God. So why do these things happen? And why do people seem trapped? They can tell that these organizations are systemically corrupt, but they can't leave. They don't believe that they have an option. And we believe that the main reason why this is so is that people think that the Christian religion actually stems from Christ or his disciples. When in actual fact, it's a totally separate entity that was created um, under the um, ages of the Roman Empire. And um, we're going to take a look at certain um, historical facts um, to do with the history of religion and astrology and why the faith in Christ is distinct from these things. Now, this I believe is going to be the first part of this lecture. So it's not going to be a lecture of a one day thing uh, because of the limited time we have and your limited um, attention span. So as we go further, before we go any further, let, why don't we just play a clip, a couple of clips of a kind of basic introduction to um, the, um, the beginning of religion, um, astrology, and how it might have influenced what today you and I call the Christian religion. So why don't we just take a look at this clip? It's only maybe five, six minutes, okay? This is the sun. As far back as 10,000 BC, history is abundant with carvings and writings reflecting people's respect and adoration for this object. And it is simple to understand why, as every morning the sun would rise, bringing vision, warmth, and security, saving man from the cold, blind, predator-filled darkness of night. Without it, the cultures understood the crops would not grow and life on the planet would not survive. These realities made the sun the most adorned object of all time. Likewise, they were also very aware of the stars. 
tracking of the stars allowed them to recognize and anticipate events which occurred over long periods of time, such as eclipses and full moons. They in turn cataloged celestial groups into what we know today as constellations. This is the cross of the zodiac, one of the oldest conceptual images in human history. It reflects the sun as it figuratively passes through the 12 major constellations over the course of a year. It also reflects the 12 months of the year, the four seasons, and the solstices and equinoxes. The term zodiac relates to the fact that constellations were anthropomorphized or personified as figures or animals. In other words, the early civilizations did not just follow the sun and stars, they personified them with elaborate myths involving their movements and relationships. The sun, with its life-giving and saving qualities, was personified as a representative of the unseen creator or god, God's son, the light of the world, the savior of humankind. Likewise, the 12 constellations represented places of travel for God's Son and were identified by names, usually representing elements of nature that happened during that period of time. For example, Aquarius, the water bearer, who brings the spring rains. This is Horus. He is the sun god of Egypt of around... We're going to continue that video, but I just wanted to um, interject briefly. So you can see from the beginning of time, when men were more at one with nature, we looked up to the stars and we used the stars for direction. We used, I mean, literal travel. Um, we depended on the on the earth and you know um, springtime, harvest time, things like that. And over you know, hundreds and thousands of years, we were able to develop certain um, um, rituals or, or understanding of timing. We were able to tell that at certain, you know, there are certain times. So we knew that there were basically 12 um, lunar cycles in a year. And um, at every period of time within those cycles, um, the sun would traverse within a particular degree of those cycles and that that particular degree is what today you and i you know hear in on popular in, on the newspaper in the press you will hear about the zodiac zodiac is just a greek word that means time so you might have somebody says oh i am gemini and his um period goes from maybe i don't know say june to july or something like that that represents the period of time in which the sun is passing through a particular constellation Remember, he used the term constellation. Constellation just means a gathering of stars that has been identified to represent something. Now, I'm not going to go too much into the details because I'm not an astrologer. The reason it's important for us to understand these things is because there are many times the scripture re re refers to these things and we need to understand why the scripture says so. Okay, we shouldn't just throw away the baby with the bath. I must say from the offset that involving ourselves in astrology is not only unbiblical there's a dangerous thing to involve yourself in okay i i do not ever recommend that any of us should ever step into that because the scriptures have spoken against it and even those who are involved in those things can look back at their lives and many of them regret so when you get up in the morning and you open up the newspaper and say i want to see what my star is saying 
Or it says, oh, today, if you're a Taurus, man, this is the day to invest in the stock market. That is an abomination. That is a sin. And that is rebellion against the word of God. If you need to know what to do, if you, the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask from God who gives liberally and upbraideth not. It is an affront to the Lord Jesus Christ for you to open a newspaper or to go to some so-called medium or psychic somewhere and ask them, what is my star? What is my future? No, that's not what this, this, this program is not about trying to encourage you to do that. In fact, if anything, I'm trying to show you why you ought not to do that. Okay. So I want you to understand where these things began from. Okay. Now let's, let's continue and we'll stop briefly and I'll talk a little bit about it. Okay. All right. So let's continue. 3000 BC. He is the sun anthropomorphized, and his life is a series of allegorical myths involving the sun's movement in the sky. From the ancient hieroglyphics in Egypt, we know much about the solar messiah. For instance, Horus, being the sun or the light, had an enemy known as Set, and Set was the personification of the darkness or night. And metaphorically speaking, every morning Horus would win the battle against Set, while in the evening Set would conquer Horus and send him into the underworld. It is important to note that dark versus... Okay, I wanted us to take a look at that. Um, and, of course, you've all heard the phrase sunset. You've all used the word hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. Those two words come from those two um, um, deities, those two characters from Egyptian mythology, okay, or Egyptian religion. And what is important for you to understand is that there's so much that comes from Egyptian religion that is in today what we call the Christian religion. Remember, we started off by saying this program over the next few days is going to try to show us the distinction between the Christian religion and the Christian faith. Okay? So, um, apart from these two characters, there were two other characters, one called Osiris and the other called Ra. And these four characters were actually aspects of the same deity, the deity of the sun. So Ra represented the sun when it was at the 12 o'clock, which was noonday. And Set represented a second right after three o'clock in the afternoon, from which we get the phrase sunset. And Osiris represented the god of the dead, which represented six in the evening, which meant they had gone into night, et cetera, et cetera. Or you'd gone into, you know, Basically, um, it goes, and then of course you go to the, what you and I would refer to as the ninth R, which they which they gave to Horus, but basically representing the movement of the sun. Now you can read up on all these things. All I'm this is just an introduction. Okay, why is this important? This is important. Somebody might say, well, why do we need to know this? Well, you need to know this because you have Christians who are attending your church, who you're, the people who are not Christians, who you're ministering to. And they're stuck on this um, zodiac thing. They're stuck on this horoscope, horoscope thing. And you need to be able to understand exactly what it is they're stuck on. It's been my experience that my growth and my knowledge of different things have helped me in my ability to minister. If you recall in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul went to a city called Athens in Greece. And he says there he met certain philosophers who are Stoics and, um, Stoics and um, Epicureans. Well, Stoic, you've heard the phrase Stoic to be Stoic. It comes from those people. And there were philosophers who wanted to study, who have knowledge. And the scriptures say that 
Paul saw a, 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 um, a, a relief, a stone relief dedicated to the unknown God. And he decided to use that to go speak with them. And he says he went and made a speech to them and spoke to them about this unknown God. He was able to find a, a place of, of meeting ground, somewhere where they could, you know, he could begin to communicate with them. So as Christians, as believers, you need to expose yourself and understand what's going on out there. You can't just be ignorant of what is going on out there so that when you're communicating with people, you're speaking a language that they understand. Okay? So that's why we're doing that. All right? That's why we're doing this. Okay? All right. So let's look um, a little bit more at summer solstice to the winter solstice, the days become shorter and colder. And from the perspective of the northern hemisphere, the sun appears to move south and get smaller and more scarce. The shortening of the days and the expiration of the crops when approaching the winter solstice symbolize the process of death to the ancients. It was the death of the sun. And by December 22nd, the sun's demise was fully realized. For the sun, having moved south continually for six months, makes it to its lowest point in the sky. Here a curious thing occurs. The sun stops moving south, at least perceivably, for three days. And during this three-day pause, the sun resides in the vicinity of the Southern Cross, or Crux, constellation. And after this time, on December 25th, the sun moves one degree, this time north, foreshadowing longer days, warmth, and spring. And thus it was said, the sun died on the cross, was dead for three days, only to be resurrected or born again. This is why Jesus and numerous other sun gods share the crucifixion, three-day death, and resurrection concept. It is the sun's transition period before it shifts its direction back into the northern hemisphere, bringing spring and thus salvation. However, they did not celebrate the resurrection of the sun until the spring equinox, or Easter. This is because at the spring equinox, the sun officially overpowers the evil darkness, as daytime thereafter becomes longer in duration than the night, and the revitalizing conditions of spring emerge. Okay, so let's elaborate a little bit on what um, the speaker there was you know, trying to allude to. He first spoke about Christmas, and then later on he spoke about Easter. So let's deal with Christmas first. If you notice he said, that the ancients knew that a star, um, the sun, sorry, would be at its lowest point within three days of every December. Okay, and he said the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. And uh, on the 25th, it would come back up. Well, it's not exactly that way, okay? The, the speaker there wasn't com completely correct. What it is is that somewhere between the 21st and the, you know, and the 24th, somewhere between those, those days, the sun would be at its lowest point. So depending on what, what, what it was, the, the day that the sun came back up could be the 22nd, it could be the 23rd, it could be 24th, it could be 25th, it could be any of those days. Now, the Pope, one of the Popes, um, not too long ago, a few hundred years ago, I mean, relatively speaking, decided that the 25th was going to be the day. It would no, they wouldn't move it anymore, okay? 
So he changed that and kept it for the 25th. And so it's now separated on the 25th. As you can see in the um, other Orthodox churches, they have it sometime in the first week of January. They have their reasons also for doing that. But we need to understand that these people, like the popes and you know these men who are into these things, they know what they're doing. They know what they're involved in. For example, once the uh, once the thir the third day is over and the sun comes up, they say, "Oh, it's the birth of the sun," and so we celebrate the birth of Christ. But the truth is, if you if you know anything about winter, okay, in the Middle East, it's cold, okay. And when the angel appeared in the Bible, it says he appeared to the shepherds to tell them that the, a savior was born. The shepherds were sleeping outside, the Bible says, with their sheep. No shepherd would do that during winter, okay? So obviously he wasn't born in December. I don't know when he was born. Let's not get into that. Bottom line is this, that what early church people did was they wanted to compromise. I've spoken to you about Emperor Constantine in the past. They wanted to compromise. And so they took from the pagan culture around them and tried to fit Christian faith into it. And thereby we got this hybrid that today I call the Christian religion. Okay, so that's Christmas, all right? Now, this all started from Egypt. Ancient Egypt were astronomers and astrologers, okay? Now we forward to what was called Easter, which was when the sun would, you know, the, the plants would come up from the, from the ground, the animals would come out, okay? And you saw he referred to that, okay? And do you know how long it is from Easter to Christmas? It's nine months. Why? Because that represents the gestation period for a human being in the mother's womb, okay? So nine months from Easter, the Christ is born. That's where they get this from. They get this from... Um, the ancient religious astrology and the pagan belief system. That's what we now have. Now, so we need to understand what these things are. You might say, well, does it really matter to understand these things? I believe it does, because this mind that you have is what you use to communicate with God. And if there's a lot of junk in there, it will distort your reception of, of, of clean, clear information from the Lord. Okay? So now, we're going to go into the word, but before we do that, I want to say something. And this will, this will shock you. The reason why we should not use astrology or go into that kind of um, um, system is because since we, man fell, we have lost certain powers of acuity. And so, God has given us the Holy Ghost to help us to make up for that. In the beginning, when God created man, before he created man, he created the stars. And he said, let the stars be for signs and for times and for seasons. So if we're still in the state Adam was, we might be able to tell things accurately from observation of the constellations. We cannot do that now. Okay? So let's take a look at scripture. Let's look at the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Let's go to um, verse 14. Chapter 1. Genesis, chapter 1, verse 14. Okay? All right. Genesis, chapter 1, verse 14. It says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament, plural. 
in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Okay, you ever heard somebody say to you, what is your sign? You wanna know whether you're Gemini or Cancer or Libra or whatever. Okay, it says, let them be for signs and for seasons. Okay, what is a season? You use them to understand whether this is the time to do this business, this is the time to you know, plant and so on. It says, but let them be for days and for years. Well, we still use them for days and for years because it's pretty obvious. But when you begin to go into seasons, when you begin to go into signs, you're going to something much deeper. Verse 15, and let them be for light in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. Okay? So we can see here, this is before the fall of man. God has created the stars, okay? So let's continue. It says, verse 16, it says, and God made two great lights, okay? which we could say is the sun and the moon, okay? You made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. So we can see that these, these um, um, luminaries, the sun, the moon, and the stars, they were for signs, they were for times, okay? They were for seasons, they were for days, and they were for years, okay? So they have their role, they, they had their role. Okay, but man sinned, man fell. So man no longer has that kind of capacity. Satan still has that capacity. So if you're willing to serve him, well, go ahead. Okay, you know he's not going to do anything for you for free. Okay, all right. So let's, let's see what God said to Job about the constellations. Okay. Now, we'll go to Job chapter 38. This is God speaking to Job. And in talking to Job, he touches on something rather briefly so that if you don't know what he's talking about, you might miss it. From um, Job chapter 38 from verse 32, God says to Job, can you bring forth Maserath in a season or can thou guide Arcturus with his sons? Verse 33, knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Can thou lift up thy voice to the clouds that abundance of waters may cover thee? Okay, so we're looking at verse um, 30, um, 32 and 33, okay? I'm sorry, we missed 31. Let's start again. Verse 31 to 33, canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or lose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring forth Maserath in a season or canst thou guide actors with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Okay. In the, uh, in the stars, there are different constellations. For example, it mentioned Pleiades there. It mentioned Orion. It mentioned Maserath. These are constellations that you, when, when the, we played the clip earlier, the man talked about how the ancients had divided, had, had, uh, 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 divided let me, let's use that phrase, divided, or had um, scheduled the stars into, um, into constellations, okay? And those are the constellations God is naming there, okay? He's speaking to Job in a language that Job would understand. Okay, and there it talks about the band of Orion, or sometimes we we say the belt of Orion. Okay, you can go 
research some of these things I'm talking about because I don't have enough time to go deeper into these things. But we need to understand them because decisions that are being made in the world today by people who rule the world today are made based on their observation of these things. You cannot go in that direction because God has told us that all the earth and the works therein, these sort of things are going to be destroyed by him at the end of time. Okay? Now, um, one last group of people who followed the stars were the men who came to see. Yes, in the book of Matthew, I think it's chapter two. Look at Matthew chapter two. Uh, we'll take it from verse one. Okay? Matthew chapter two from verse one. It says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. This is from another country, okay? They're from east of Israel, from some other country, okay? Verse two, saying, so they go to the king's palace, expecting that the king of Israel would be born in the king's palace, okay? Verse two, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews or king of Judah? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Okay, these people observed stars, okay? And by observation of stars, they were able to tell when certain things had come. Now, notice I'm telling you they could do that. Notice I didn't say they couldn't do that. I just said God doesn't want us to be involved in that because it is, sub it is subject to deception by the enemy right now. And I want you to watch something. Okay, I'm, going to, I'm going to prove what I just said with the scripture. Okay, Verse 3, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah, art not thou are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Verse nine. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, east, went before them till it came and stood over there where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, now, before I go into what these three things symbolize, I want you to notice something. In their home country, they saw a star. They've been stargazing. And when they saw this star, for whatever reason, they were able to tell that this star represented the birth of a king, and they were able to plot and chart that it was somewhere in Israel. But notice what happens. God makes the star appear again somewhere above where the, the, um, the manger was, okay? 
so God could make it appear in the way he wanted it to appear to them. Can I tell you something? The devil could do that too. So if you go trying to observe stars, you might find yourself in a situation where the devil will let you play along with you for a short while and get you really believing, really believing in stars and really believing in horoscopes. Okay, and once he sucks you in and you can't get out anymore, he will come out and show you his real face and his real picture. Okay, so why are we looking at this? We're looking at this because I'm telling you that the church systems, the religious system that calls itself Christianity, is centered and founded around the whole concept of astrology and stars, okay, and times. It is not centered around the unction of the Holy Ghost. You want your life to be centered around the unction of the Holy Ghost and guided by the word of God. That's what you and I need. Okay? That's what you and I need. All right? When you get yourself carried away by these things, then it can lead to so many other things. All right? Now, like I said, I didn't want to go too, too far tonight, but I want to touch a little bit on the three gifts that the wise men brought. Okay? Notice they brought gold frankincense and myrrh. Gold they brought as a symbol of who Jesus was going to be as a king. Frankincense they brought as a symbol of who Jesus was going to be as a high priest. And myrrh they brought as a symbol of who Jesus was going to be as a prophet. I want you to remember that. The three gifts. Now remember it says wise men. It didn't say three wise men. Okay, it says wise men. There could have been 10. There could have been two. There could have been 15. We don't know. We know they brought three gifts. And those three gifts were symbolic of what the king was going to be. This king that was coming under the order of Melchizedek as a high priest and who was also going to be a prophet to tell us what time it is. Okay? So, friends, I want to thank you for your time again. And remember, I said this is just part one. Um, God willing, tomorrow we'll go into part two. We'll go further into this study, understanding why Christian, Christian religion is different from the Christian faith. Okay? Now, please remember to subscribe. Remember to share these videos with your friends and family. Don't just watch it to yourself. You know, send it through your, your friends, through WhatsApp, through Facebook, wherever it is. Get this message out to people. People need to know, people need to know that there is a true word from God that has come to them and that they're able to be saved from the things that they fear they could not be saved from. There are many people right now who are even in church and right now are just spinning their wheels and asking themselves, isn't there something more? Well, that true word has come now, friends, and it's in your hand. So please go ahead and share these videos, okay? Sit down with your family and friends, discuss it. You can go to Facebook at Emerging Temple. Look for Emerging Temple on Facebook. That's our page, and you can comment there. The videos are uploaded there. You can comment there. You can also come to the comment section on YouTube. I'm putting questions, and I'd love to answer your questions. I'd love to go further with you, okay, on these things. But rather than, you know, doing anything else, if you send your questions through Facebook, if you send your questions through YouTube, then I don't have to, you know, be receiving personal emails, answering the same question 100 times because everybody will be able to see the answers right there, okay? So once again, I want to encourage you, hey, please subscribe to our page, all right? And please go to uh, patreon.com. To, you know, to support us, to keep this work going. Appreciate those of you who've been doing so. May God bless you richly. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow, same time. God bless you.